Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. On today's episode, we have Trump's Supreme Court plea, Hogan Lovell's profit surge, Judge Newman's lawsuit struggles, and Column Tuesday on the potential overturning of Chevron and tax law. Let's remember, no snowflake ever falls in the wrong place and read today's legal news. On this day in legal history, we commemorate the birth of David Dudley Field, a pivotal figure in the codification of American law. Born in Haddam, Connecticut on February 13, 1805, Field's contributions to the legal landscape of the United States are monumental as he tirelessly worked towards the simplification and organization of legal statutes and procedures. A graduate of Williams College, Field embarked on a legal career that would see him become one of the most influential legal reformers of the 19th century. Field believed that the law should be accessible and understandable to every American, not just those formally trained in the legal profession. This belief drove him to advocate for the codification of both civil and criminal law, leading to the drafting of the Field Code in 1848. The Field Code revolutionized the practice of law by systematizing civil procedure into a coherent body of statutes, making it a model that would eventually be adopted in whole or in part by many states across the country. Moreover, Field's efforts extended beyond civil law into the realms of criminal law, political, and commercial codes, striving for a comprehensive codification that would standardize legal practice across the United States. His work laid the groundwork for future legal codification and reform, influencing not only American law, but also legal systems in other countries. Field's legacy is a testament to his vision of a more rational and efficient legal system. Through his pioneering efforts in legal codification, David Dudley Field helped shape the foundation of modern American jurisprudence. On the anniversary of his birth, we recognize Field not just as a champion of legal codification, but as a visionary who sought to democratize the law and enhance its clarity and fairness for all. His contributions continue to resonate within the legal community, marking him as one of the most significant legal figures in American history. Donald Trump has requested the U.S. Supreme Court to maintain a hold on his criminal trial related to his efforts to overturn the 2020 election outcome, while he appeals against a lower court's decision that denied him immunity from prosecution. This move introduces a second significant case involving Trump to the Supreme Court amidst his campaign for re-election, with the court already evaluating his eligibility for the presidential ballot due to his involvement in the January 6th Capitol riot. Trump aims to pause a federal appeals court ruling that permits his prosecution for allegedly seeking to illegally remain in power, challenging the notion that a president could have the unbounded authority to commit crimes undermining election results. Trump, currently leading the Republican nomination race, faces the prospect of being the first major party candidate to undergo a criminal trial during a presidential campaign. This is one of four criminal cases against him, including another election-related prosecution in Georgia and a case involving hush money payments. Trump has sought to delay these trials until after the November 2024 election, suggesting that a victory would allow him to direct the Justice Department to dismiss the cases. A Supreme Court denial of Trump's request could lead to the scheduling of a new trial date with U.S. District Judge Tanya Shutkin. Trump's legal team has argued that proceeding with the trial would infringe upon his First Amendment rights and that of his supporters, potentially sidelining him during the campaign season. They contend that Trump's actions leading up to the Capitol riot were within his official presidential duties, citing a 1982 Supreme Court ruling on presidential immunity in civil suits. The special counsel has emphasized the urgency of resolving Trump's immunity claims, suggesting the Supreme Court's role in addressing these critical legal questions. In 2023, global law firm Hogan Lovells reported record-breaking revenues and partner profits, indicating a significant rebound in the legal industry's profitability. The firm's average profit per equity partner surged by approximately 20% to $2.74 million, with global revenue climbing to $2.68 billion, recovering from a dip to about $2.43 million in 2022. 
This growth comes in the context of a broader legal sector recovery, with many U.S. and global law firms experiencing a turnaround after a relatively slower 2022, marked by decreased demand for M&A and other legal services. Legal industry analyses, including those from Wells Fargo's Legal Specialty Group and the Thomson Reuters law firm Financial Index, highlighted 2023 as a year of increased revenue and profitability for law firms on average. However, the success was not uniform across the board, with a Citigroup survey revealing that while the average profits per equity partner grew by 6.6%, 39% of firms saw a decline in partner profits. Hogan Lovell's CEO, Miguel Zaldivar, attributed the firm's successful growth to its diversified geographic presence, practice areas, and industry sectors, avoiding over-reliance on any single market. Under Zaldivar's leadership, who was reappointed for a second term until June of 2028, the firm aims to continue its growth, especially in life sciences, technology, energy, financial services, and mobility sectors, focusing on expansion in New York, California, and Texas. The firm, which emerged from a 2010 merger and now boasts over 2,600 lawyers globally, has also been active in strategic hiring. In November, it added nearly 70 lawyers from the dissolved New York firm Stroop, Stroop & Levan, alongside other recent hires in Italy and the U.S., bolstering its capabilities in finance, M&A, capital markets, and tax law. Good for you, Hogan Lovells. Judge Pauline Newman's lawsuit against her suspension from the federal circuit faces significant challenges after a federal judge, Christopher R. Cooper, denied her preliminary relief and dismissed several claims. Newman, 76, was suspended in September of 2023 for refusing medical testing related to an investigation into her fitness to serve. Cooper's ruling found that the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia lacks jurisdiction over many of Newman's claims or that they failed to state a claim, significantly reducing her lawsuit's scope. Despite Newman's challenges to the suspension, Cooper ruled she isn't entitled to immediate reinstatement, citing a lack of likelihood in prevailing on her remaining claims. The suspension was part of the judiciary's self-regulatory measures under the Judicial Conduct and Disability Act, a framework upheld by Supreme Court precedent, which Newman contests as unconstitutional. Parts of Newman's legal battle focus on the act's application and the constitutional challenges it presents, particularly regarding the judiciary's authority to enforce disciplinary actions and define mental disabilities. Cooper did allow some parts of Newman's lawsuit to proceed, mainly those challenging the act's underlying provisions and her claim that the law fails to clearly define what constitutes a mental disability. However, even with some aspects of Newman's lawsuit moving forward, Cooper emphasized the high standards Newman must meet to succeed on the merits. He dismissed two of her constitutional challenges outright and reserved judgment on others, indicating a tough path ahead for Newman. The ruling also suggests that Newman's attorney is prepared to appeal any unfavorable decision, potentially taking the case as far as the U.S. Supreme Court. This case highlights the judiciary's self-regulatory mechanisms and the challenges judges face when contesting disciplinary actions, setting a precedent for how similar future disputes might be adjudicated. And look at that thing glistening in the sun. It must be my column. In my column on the potential demise of the Chevron Doctrine, which we've talked about before and there is a Max Min episode on specifically, I discuss its implications for tax law and the critical role Chevron plays in allowing federal agencies to interpret ambiguous laws a principle that is at risk in the Loper Bright Enterprises v. Raimondo case that is currently before the U.S. Supreme Court. I explain that without Chevron's deferential standard, IRS regulations on ambiguous statutes might not automatically be upheld, leading to a significant upheaval in tax law and practice, notably in areas like transfer pricing. Transfer pricing, crucial for how multinational corporations allocate income and expenses across jurisdictions, relies heavily on IRS interpretations of tax legislation, which could be thrown into uncertainty without Chevron. I also highlight the extensive regulatory framework developed under the Internal Revenue Code Section 482, which is essential for maintaining compliance and preventing tax evasion through price manipulations. The potential for judicial review of these standards, if Chevron is overturned, introduces a significant risk of uncertainty in international tax practices, 
affecting multinational corporations' tax planning strategies. Moreover, I touch on the immediate increase in litigation that could follow Chevron's overturn using the specific case of Microsoft's alleged $28.9 billion tax bill as an example of the financial implications. The end of Chevron deference could lead to reevaluation of major IRS victories and pose a nearly immediate financial impact, potentially costing taxpayers upwards of $30 billion instantly. I argue that the judiciary's increased role in tax regulation would result in greater variability in tax law interpretation, complicating tax planning and compliance. However, I suggest that clear statutes and robust regulatory guidance could mitigate some of these challenges, even if political realities make such clarity difficult to achieve. Finally, I emphasize the importance of preparedness for the tax law community, as the end of Chevron could mark a significant shift in how tax regulations are interpreted and enforced, urging stakeholders to consider the implications of a post-Chevron landscape for regulatory and compliance strategies. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we sure appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in the story we cover, consider sending them the episode. But remember, nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is certainly not that. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. If you haven't checked out the website in a while, give it a look. There are complete transcripts and resources for each episode and its corresponding segments, as well as an opportunity to receive new episodes in email newsletter form. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, books are not made to be believed, but to be subjected to inquiry. When we consider a book, we mustn't ask ourselves what it says, but what it means.